Hey, it's Lisa Carlin from Attacking Third to tell you about the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. It's equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend. The Hyundai Santa Fe features available all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, plus available dual wireless charging pads, ensuring that you can take on any adventure. It's ski season, and with the all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe, I can easily load the car with all my gear plus my friends in the third row and make it right to the base of the slopes with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Finding the right cleat can be transformative. Believe me, I've worn plenty during my career. So getting the right balance is crucial. The cleat needs to feel good on your foot, but also feel good connecting with the ball. The New Balance Furon 7 Plus is built with both of those points in mind, offering overall comfort and precise striking in the game's fastest moments. Because, as I learned the hard way, because I didn't possess much of it, speed matters in soccer. That's why the Furon 7 Plus is built for accuracy and precision at rapid pace and is engineered specifically for use on firm ground. Why is this the ideal cleat, I hear you ask? Well, not to get too scientific, but the Furon 7 Plus offers a lightweight yet supportive hypo-knit with mesh lining upper construction and is paired with offset lacing for a truer strike of the ball, which is a long way of me saying that your game will immediately get better when these are on your feet. Learn more and purchase the Furon at NewBalance.com. Hey everyone, welcome into Attacking Third. I'm Sandra Herrera, lead NWSL writer for CBS Sports. I'm joined today, as always, by my colleague and co-host Lisa Roman, broadcaster and analyst for CBS Sports. On today's episode, we've got a recap of USA versus Ireland. But first, we've got some news. CBS Sports Golasso Network, the first of its kind, free 24-7 channel dedicated exclusively to global soccer coverage is now streaming on the CBS Sports app, Pluto TV, and Paramount+. Plus. Get your morning started off on the right foot with Morning Footy, our weekday soccer culture-driven morning show beginning at 7 a.m. ET. Plus, you don't want to miss the rest of our top-notch programming, including live matches and re-airs, original studio shows, highlights, documentaries, and so much more. CBS Sports Golasso Network is the ultimate year-round streaming destination for fans of the beautiful game, and we're so excited about it. We are. It I is. Feel, I feel like we've been chatting a little bit about it for forever, and and now it's here. Yeah, shout out to Beach Dog Scout in our chat now saying that he got up 7 a.m. watched. Uh, morning footy yesterday on Galazzo Network. So tune in. It's fantastic. They've got really good content. And who knows, you might even see a little bit of attacking third sometimes. So you might as well be there. Um, It's good to be here. Sandra, I know that you don't always read the chat. You're focused on like our rundown and what you're doing. But uh, we came on a little bit later today. So people in our chat were like, hey, what are they? What are they doing? What, What are they got going? So Lucy being like, yeah, Sandra has literally thousands of hat that she has to choose from. Yeah. It's got to take time. VU yeah. saying, yeah, we might start a what hat is Sandra wearing? <laughs> I love this, guys. Uh, Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate me that. Too. No, I say, I'm like, what's she going to wear? So I'm yeah. in on the contest, guys. Yeah, went, went with my old faithful uh, a Chicago hat. Um, it was, it's the only one I had to choose from, y'all. I'm on, I'm on St. Louis time, actually. Still here in the great Midwestern city of St. Louis. Came out. Uh, to cover the game, catch catch the United States women's national team live. Um, thought it was important to to sort of get the the last of these matches in in, in person. Uh, just a little just a little four and a half hour drive from Chicago to St. Louis. That's nothing for a Midwesterner. That's nothing. Lovely you little. Couldn't catch me driving more than two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely, just just a straight shot. Chicago to St. Louis. Yeah, it was uh, it was nice nice drive to get in here. And it turns out if you just if you just go like two hours south, you just get ex- sunshine and <laughs> and and warmer weather. Um, spring is in full effect 
for sure. I think it's finally, we could safely say that it's arrived um, in the Midwest. And it provided, uh, you know, a great environment, really, for this this final, this, this finale uh, against Ireland. United States and Ireland participating in a two-match series. This was billed as the final set of international matches for the United States women's national team before a final World Cup roster is named. So no pressure. There was just a lot of, there was just, there There was a lot, there was a lot of emphasis on that coming out of, of both these two games and, and obviously even more so of this second match now that it's it's done and dusted and, and, and put uh, to rest. But um, the energy, I think, in, in this in this game was was a little bit different. I think, uh, you know, the, the backdrop and the environment in itself was, I think, where you start. I think in our preview, Lisa, we talked a little bit about that because there was a, a lot of excitement about uh, Becky Sauerbrunn's return to mm-hmm. St. Louis and the celebration um, of her 200 caps. Um, and it was really cool to see all that uh, in action and in person um, and a very, very good crowd. Uh, set up in in this in this facility um over, over 20,000 20, insane 22,294 is what they reported out of city park for for this match um it fantastic and definitely a big Becky Sauerbrunn contingency there as, as that's her hometown. She was also honored before the match uh, for her 200 caps, but she's now on like what, 215, I think, or 216, something like that, 215. Um, so it, really incredible to see that um, and kind of get into it. And, and as we talk about this game, I do want to hear kind of how that crowd was and how things went. You being on the ground in St. Louis gives a different perspective than those of us that watched on television or on our digital streams. Um, But in previewing this second friendly for the United States against Ireland, you and I talked about the starting lineup, um, who we wanted to get minutes and who needed to get minutes and then who we thought would get minutes. And initially I put it out there that I didn't think Becky Sauerbrunn was going to get minutes because (laughs) she didn't need them. She's going to the world cup. She's a lock, you know what she can get. And you reminded me, cause I just wasn't thinking like, Hey, she's going home. She's being honored for 200 caps. And I was like, right, right, right. So we did see Becky Sauerbrunn get the start, but she only played about 28 minutes, minute management. So I like to think I was both right and wrong, but I was right. He really only yeah. played because she was going home, right? And it was like and, yeah. the pomp and circumstance of it. I mean, in fairness to you, I'm going to say that you were correct. Um, yeah. Chatting with uh, Vlad Gondonovsky in the post-game conference area, essentially said that, that they had a lot of things that were mapped out, uh, a specific you know, game plan that they wanted to follow over the course of the two games. And initially, no, Becky Sauerbrunn was not going to start a second consecutive match for this team. But with everything in consideration, the plans for a 200 cap celebration, the return to her hometown, they said, listen, we have to make sure that the city of St. Louis gets a chance to see their hometown here. I think it was is it was the right call. Um, yeah, didn't didn't play for a long time. I mean, it was it was evident with that early sub that you know that that was all pre-planned and everything. But um, it's I'm I'm glad the coaching staff was able to to sort of work that out. Uh, you know, I think for 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 that player. Uh, I mean, in, in terms of that starting eleven, you know, I I was there. I was able to react to it in real time. But I would love to hear from from you about this when when you saw this starting 11 drop for the United States what were some of your first reactions to it um because when we were previewing this match a little bit again you mentioned it we talked about players who need minutes versus who we think would actually get them versus you know the ones that we wanted to see get extra minutes um were there any surprises in there for you uh who do you think, uh, you know, who are you correct on, you know, in terms of like, I want to see this player and then you got to see your, your wish list fulfilled. Yeah, I think that's a good question because um, we weren't sure at the time we recorded our preview, we weren't sure about like injury update, what was going to happen. And it came out that Rose Lavelle had a very small minor knock. She even confirmed that on the pregame um, interviewing with uh, the people at the desk and Shannon box and, uh, 
whoever else was there, Fowdy, um, Beasley, saying that it was really just a small injury and knock. So Rose Lavelle didn't even dress for this one. I thought she was going to start, but instead it's Ashley Sanchez getting minutes. And I liked that. I think with Sanchez, Horan, and Sullivan in the midfield, that's a trio that is good to see. Um, I think it's interesting that Sullivan also got the start again. That's that's what I predicted um, in that defensive midfield position. Morgan and Smith up top alongside Alyssa Thompson. Uh, this was a good one. I, I like that Alyssa Thompson got the start. She was called in halfway through this camp uh, because of the Mallory Swanson injury. They call in Thompson. This was her first start. Um, she's only played in two games. or This was her third cap and her first start. And being at such a young player, I think it's good for her to get that experience to start a game like this. Um, and then across the back line and in goal, I mean, there were six changes that Black Leninovsky made for the starting lineup. O'Hara was playing on the left side in defense. We haven't seen Kelly O'Hara play in the left back since 2018 or so. She's been on the right back, a name stay there. Um, Becky Sauron, of course, getting the start in the center back, Alana Cook, and then Sophia Huerta across the back line. So Cook and Huerta rotating in for um, Gurma and Fox across that back line, and then Casey Murphy in goal. I love that Casey Murphy got the start, a full 90 minutes. She earned her 10th career shutout between the sticks for the United States. This was one that I'm, I'm really, really glad that Murphy got time because heading into the World Cup, heading into uh, where Vlako Adonofsky needs to make those roster decisions, Alyssa Nair is your number one lock goalkeeper, but you have to have a number two. You have to have a number three. And it's shaking out that Murphy is going to be that number two. And Franch is most likely going to be that number three. And you want to get them time and experience. So the fact that Nair got full 90 in the first friendly and then Murphy gets full 90 in the second is completely on par with with what should be happening. And I want Murphy to get those minutes. That way she's not stepping into a World Cup game, not having played in-game minutes with this team Um in a couple of months. So I, I really liked that, but I mean, six changes, that's a lot of changes. Yeah. Clearly he wanted to see some players and, and see what they could do. Yeah. That was the outlook of this game. I think in the pre-match availability, um, Adonofsky mentioning how the second match was really going to be utilized to evaluate. Um, I think you referred to it as smaller groups of players in the second game. And we got to see a ton of them really between the, the starting, the initial starting 11 and every bit of the substitutions that were used in the game as well. Um, I think that's where we initially heard that, you know, Thompson could likely see minutes in this game. So surprise for you that that Thompson, A, got the start uh, in general, but also, uh, you know, apparently over Rodman, because I know that was another player that wow. we were like, oh, here's a player that we want to see, you know, get minutes and, you know, in light of everything that happened with with the uh, with Swanson. But it, it ends up being Thompson for, uh, over Rodman, even though Rodman did get into this game. Um, so big surprise there for you. Yeah, honestly, a little bit. I, I wanted Rodman to get the start. I think Rodman deserves the start alongside Morgan and Smith. And and the way that the first match went for the U.S., um, as soon as Swanson went down, it was Rodman that stepped in. So in my mind, it, it makes me believe that Rodman is, is the likely replacement for Swanson moving forward, um, which is what we would see in the World Cup starting front line, perhaps, right? There, there are still some question marks there. But so I wanted him, Black Wanonofsky, to give the start to Rodman. That way it, we could see what it would look like. They could see what it would feel like with a Rodman, Morgan Smith up top at the start of the game. How do they go out of the gate but instead it's the the youngster in Alyssa Thompson getting the start which Black Wanonofsky I think was very vocal um, and open about his decisions that he made for this game and and basically saying yeah we wanted to call Thompson in because she didn't have a lot of minutes and she's making a World Cup roster we want to see her get minutes now and she ultimately played full 90 minutes in this game so I I mean I understand completely where he's coming from and, and the logic does make sense but I still think I would have liked to see Rodman Morgan Smith get the start because we didn't see Rodman Morgan Smith play together in this second game at all. You know, I'm also just sort of curious, like we, we 
knew later on, of course, after we did our preview, uh, Rose Lavelle, the announcement that she had picked up a knock, she was not going to get the start. And um, I think it was safe to assume that we were going to see somebody uh, slot in for her, and it was likely going to be Ashley Sanchez. Uh, thought she had a good game um, with, with this team. I thought she showed even more reasons why that uh, she should be one of those players um you know in contention for a spot on that uh, on that final world cup roster um lindsey Horan, uh surprised to see her get a second consecutive start what were your thoughts on that Honestly, no, I'm not. Um, this is a, a player for Black Wenanofsky that is wearing the number 10 jersey. She's an incredibly vocal leader on this team. Um, not at all surprised to see Lindsay Horan get yeah. the start, right? She solidified her spot in that midfield and 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 so have a lot of other players, right? I, I argue that Rose Lavelle has as well. But when you're already losing a Lavelle uh, due to that knock, so she's not going to play in this game. You don't want to shake things up too much, and especially when you're making six changes around that midfield. Uh, yeah, no, not at all surprised to see Lindsay Horan get the start. I think she deserved the start and alongside Sullivan because that partnership still needs to continue to develop, whether they're with the ball in the attack looking to break down a, a low block or uh, a deep defensive sitting team that Ireland showed, or if they're defensively trying to structure with a pivot or sliding um, as two sixes or a, a six and an eight, whatever it may be. Yeah, I, w- I think maybe there was a small part of me that would have liked to to see Robin get the start, only to sort of see um, – her play with with Sanchez and at the national team level, like within the system, like um, I think so often we've seen either of those two players kind of come in and, and asked to be like impact players off the bench, which um, kind of really showed us early on, like what the roles that they were being looked at for, um, for this team moving forward. But with injury, you know, also comes the other side of that is opportunity for other players. Um and so maybe we, we will get to get to see that for club, if anything else. Um, but uh, I'm, I'm happy that both of them got um, at least some extended minutes in in a game like this. As, as far as the game as a whole, I mean, we're, we're talking about a 1-0 scoreline for this United States team against uh, Ireland. Yeah, they, they get the series sweep. They've got two wins. Um, but two entirely different games, right? I think that we're looking at here. Um, getting to watch it live as well, I think it's it's always a bit different. Um, United States women's national team, not as bad, you know, on in in person. I think there's a lot of folks out there that are like, this is this is terrible, like this is not good. And I think I think it's evident from game game one to game two, <laughs> especially all things considered with 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 that really horrific injury to Mallory Swanson, it was pretty evident that there was probably a bit of a check-in. You know, some conversations were probably had and you had two teams going into this second match, just looking and feeling very different from that first game that they had against each other. Um, I mean, even looking at just sort of some of the final stat lines for, for these for for these two teams in the final game, I mean, mostly even in terms of the play between them. You know, ten shots for the United States versus nine from from Ireland. Each of them getting two attempts on target. Possession not that huge of a gap between them. You know, with, with the United States at fifty three percent and Ireland at forty seven, um, and the corners as well. I mean, Ireland a team that you know wants to try to continue to get get looks. You know, and 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 special plays and set pieces. So five corners for them compared to, to four for the United States. And, and I think like the court, like the, the corner kicks is something that this team is, is yeah. really trying to get back and make sure that that's like a, a next factor in their arsenal. And for the United States, I think, I think it's safe to say that they've kind of struggled or gotten away from um, their lethal looks right off of, of yeah. corners. But Something you something that did come out of this game was, even though we didn't see too much come off of these, I liked some of the the plays that were drawn up on the corners that came out of this game specifically. I mean, we saw that wild three minutes in. It was the Becky play. It was the Becky Sauer from corner kick play off the post. I could. It was like, uh, listen, 
All I have to say is that everybody reacted to that. Uh, the crowd was very appropriately <laughs> reacted to to that moment. Um, and there were folks everywhere, even even some who were covering the game that were like, oh, my goodness, like what a play. So so smart. But I mean, he knew there was a play even after the first match. He said, hey, we had a play drawn up for Becky to get a goal. And Ireland defended our corner as well. Uh, I mean, he's been very vocal about being transparent about what they're doing behind the scenes. Um, maybe he felt a lot of the scrutiny and was like, I got to be a little more honest. Let people know what I'm thinking. But we got to see the play, the the corner kick play drawn up for Becky Sauerbrunn to get the goal. And I mean, she comes inches away from finding the back of the net inches in the opening three minutes of this game. I mean, the play was executed very well. Her header was great, put on frame and it just hits the crossbar. I mean, just two inches lower and it goes in. Well, I mean, we even think about like the one goal that came out of this game, right? It's, it's this, kind of wild setup for Alana Cook. I mean, that comes off of a broken set piece, essentially. Right. This the the ball gets, you know, Sophia Smith is, is taking the, the corner kicks now. We saw that happening in this game. That was a mouse Swanson specialty. Smith is now over the ball um in these moments. So we're already seeing that adjustment for this team. Uh but the ball gets delivered in a brief clearance by Ireland, but USA retains possession. It gets recycled around. It it, it, land, it goes to Alana Cook way outside, like near the halfway circle. And she just tries some stuff. I love that. I love that. If this is this is the tiny type of game to, to do that. Um and she just, like she just sends a lofty ball in. Um gotta love the the shot cross when it happens. Did she mean to do that? Did she mean to find the back of the net? Because I think she was looking for Haran. Of course. <laughs> I think if you're if you're Alana Cook, you say of course, of course I am. But yes, um, don't deny it at that point. But I mean, honestly, like as much of a it was great from Alana Cook. Like this is fantastic to uh play a dangerous ball in um your goalkeeper for Ireland out of position and she's not able to get onto it. But it also comes down to Lindsay Haran making that run. Um, running at the goalkeeper as she's trying to save this ball, it throws her off a little bit and that helps it find the back of the net. Like I think without the ball serviced in, of course there's no goal, but I also kind of think without the, the run, the penetrating run from Lindsay Horan, there's no goal. It, then maybe it becomes a little bit of an easier save really yeah. team play there. I mean, you just sort of see like you kind of, you're serving this very, very long ball into the box. It kind of catches the keeper, out of position and it just sort of waves into, into a goal. I mean, there's enough for Bronson tries to get some fingertips on it. Right. But there's just enough trajectory there and um, uh, enough of an awkward angle to just, that it ends up in the, in the back of the net. It's, it's almost like, okay, well, considering how, you know, this, this series against Ireland has been going, maybe that's not surprising. Maybe it's not surprising that the goal in this game, um, didn't come from the attacking line. You know, it's coming from from defenders. Um, and I think all things considered, uh, if you're trying to build towards a World Cup, maybe that's an area where you're like, okay, let's make sure that we are still getting our, you know, attacking players. Is that, Is that a concern that in these two friendlies, the goals coming from two defenders from well outside the box, not even on like set piece corner kicks, that's one it, right. If I'm just reading a scoreline and I don't watch a game and I see Emily Fox and then Alana Cook get a goal, I'm like, oh, this was a corner kick or this was a set piece, not necessarily shots from distance. And then the third goal coming from a PK. Is that a concern at all to you that the forwards did not score in these two friendlies? I'm looking at it more from what we've seen over the over the last three camps from from this team. I mean, the the attacking line has has looked fine. Um, but something that did come out of this this two game series was the fact that Mel Swanson is no longer available. So um, I think out of these two games specifically, yeah, you're going to say, oh, my God, not a single, you know, impactful moment from your attacking line, which I don't necessarily agree with. I thought Alyssa Thompson actually was really good in this game. Yeah, I'm not impactful. I mean, they definitely made an impact and they yeah. created chances and they got close. But the fact that three yeah. of the goals came from a penalty kick and then defenders. Who I are think if you're looking at just these two games, you're like, Oh my God, this is a problem. But I think you kind of have to take a look at the, the first half, the first four months of, of this year and sort of know 
kind of how they got to this moment in these yeah. in these two in these two games. So and if, um, if Swanson doesn't get injured in the first game, I think it's a completely different story. Yeah. And we can't play that what if game. Uh, no, I'm, I'm in agreement with you. I mean, but you know what? We'll let, we'll we'll focus on that. We'll talk about that a little bit more. Let's talk about uh, perhaps the, the the Swanson effect of it all. Uh, so we'll chat a little bit more about it. Stick with us after a quick break. Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, let's let's talk about uh, let's focus on that attacking line then uh, a little bit. I know that's that's maybe one of the things that folks are gonna focus in on on the things that are coming out of the two games against Ireland from game one to game two. Why did the attacking line look the way they did? What was being presented? And you know what? It's what was I think what came out of these two games. I think there's it's. It's not unfair to say there was a, a similar tone in these two games that we're not unfamiliar with at this point in watching games from the United States. When this team is presented with a low block or even a mid block at times, it takes them a little while mm-hmm. to try to unlock and solve those things. That's not new here for this team. I'm not saying that feels great ahead of a World Cup. I'm just saying at this point in this in 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 uh, the build up to a World Cup, that's not that's not a new fact mm-hmm. about this team. If you've been watching this team for even just the last six months, let alone the last two years post Olympic Games, you know that teams have presented low to mid blocks against the United States, and it has sometimes taken anywhere from twenty to thirty, possibly a full 45 minutes to go ahead and unlock some things against the opposition. So that's not new here. Uh, and it wasn't new against, I think, Ireland either. Welcome back, buddy. I love hey, you. Sorry, I don't know what happened. No, it's all good. I'm just glad you're back. You, you, you left. I was rambling. You're back. I'm still rambling. So looking at these two games and seeing how the goals came the way they did, I think that's more of a, I think you and I could both agree that that's more of a response to a couple of things. The fact that they're seeing another World Cup bound team and they are also presenting some difficult shapes in front of them. And it's also perhaps a reflection of, of losing a player like Mallory Swanson. Yeah, completely. And and I think that Ireland gave a great test to the United States. They came in with a game plan ready to play, um, forcing the United States into to playing incredibly narrow in that first game. That's how Emily Fox got that opening goal for the U.S. in, in the first friendly. And having to kind of push them to unlock them a little bit in this second match with that low block and then the quick counterattack. I mean, frankly, to me, I'm not that concerned about how the United States looked. Like, a, a little bit I am, right? Like, can they unlock these teams a little bit quicker? Can they can they problem solve more efficiently on the pitch? Uh, but maybe that also comes with not as much rotation with all those players, right? Like, if you're getting 70 minutes from players, like, they're going to be all on the same page about how to unlock things and, and when to go in over the top, how to find those spaces and, and completely be on the same page. But really, it shows me that Ireland is a team that people cannot sleep on heading into the World Cup at, at all, which you and I haven't been sleeping on them here. They're debutants of the World Cup, but this is a, a team and a program that, although they're in the group of death for the World Cup against some really tough competition, uh, Australia being in that group as well, 
they are a good team. And the fact that the United States can rely on some of their defenders in Alana Cook, Emily Fox, uh, penalty kick shots from Lindsey Horan to get goals and still get shutouts in these two games is a positive to me. That if their forwards are being shut down and it's just so compact inside the box that there's no space for Rodman to get on the ball or to any time that the U.S. sent crosses into the box, they were good. They had runners, but the Irish defense was just swarming, taking up so much of that space that the U.S. can now rely on players in the late run that's going to be a center back, that's going to be an outside back, um, a defensive six to then find the back of the net and have that balanced scoring if your forwards can't do it. It's so wild to think about um, (laughs) Ireland and their group, uh, with Australia, Canada, Nigeria, Group B is, is going to be something to keep an eye on uh, for sure, especially after we got a closer look at the girls in green during this pair of matches. So um, we'll see what happens with them come this uh, come this summer and when they go up against uh, their their opponents in, in the group stage. But for the United States, um, we started we started off this segment about maybe the adjustment here for these matches specifically was a combination of getting presented with, again, another kind of difficult shape to unlock and also having to make that adjustment literally on the pitch in light of losing uh, a Mallory Swanson. And whether that's tactically like, or, um, you know, slotting it or rotating in new players, but also mentally, right. Mm -hmm. Trying to get around that kind of, that's a different type of block. It's a mental block maybe that you're going through when you're, trying to, to unlock some things. And I mean, in the second game, they were without Rose Lavelle. Let's be real. Like yep. it changes things. It yeah. changes things. It just like, it's just going to change things automatically. If you know that this team going into this game was going to be without Mallory Swanson and they were going to be without Rose Lavelle, that's going to change things immediately. And like with the Rose Lavelle injury, we must remember it was a very small knock and her not playing was precautionary. If this was a world cup game group stage, even she would have played. Yeah, I think, I think, I think you're right in that. I think maybe not even a group, maybe not even a group match. I don't know. Cause it's like, it depends maybe yeah. where they're at. I think in the group stage, maybe there's even like, you know what, why don't you take this one off? And, um, you know, we'll, we'll put somebody in Elson and then, uh, we'll see you in the knockout round. Like that's, that's fine. Like, don't worry, don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, 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 I'm, I'm with you on, on that. We, we did also get, um, an update on, on Mallory Swanson uh, ahead of this, ahead of this match from, from Swanson herself. She took to social media to finally just sort of respond to, to everything that's, that's been, you know, all the, the outpouring of support that's been sent her way. Um, I appreciate her honesty in her reaction to, to this post. She, she said, this is hard. Um, I'm in shock and don't have much to say other than thank you to everyone for the messages. I feel the love and prayers and holding them close to my heart. Surgery this morning was a success. I'm thankful for my trainers, coaches, doctors, and teammates for their help throughout this process. The beauty of all this is that God is good. He's got me and always has. So I, I think that's, um, I think that's a very honest response and reaction to this. Um, that's that's difficult. You know, I think I think maybe you come out of that game and you're hope you're hopeful for a best case scenario. Maybe it's a dislocation. Right. Maybe it's just something minor. But um, turns out back back home to Chicago and uh, surgery. And now the real work, I guess, sort of begins for for Mel Swanson. So um, that's that's you look at that, you know, coming out of that first game that you are going to be without Swanson um, for quite some time. I think a, there was a very brief window there where I think folks were just like, let's just wait until we get yeah. the official a collective um, holding of breath. Yes. It's just like, let's just wait until that, that official update happens. And it didn't take long, you know, us soccer coming out with the update, literally just, just the next day. And then that's where we found out that Alyssa Thompson was, um, called into camps as a replacement player. But we also got more um, more insight on that. Um, talking about preparation and build up to a World Cup, everything is in play. 
at this moment when you're looking at different scenarios that might pop up in a World Cup. And one of those scenarios are terrible, terribly timed, devastating type of injuries. Heartbreaking. And the coaching staff also has a protocol in place for that. Um, The fact that they said our team knew right away that there was a number of players that were on our radar in the event we needed to call someone in. And by halftime of that first match, Alyssa Thompson was packing her bags and getting ready to come into camps. They already had this, they had this path in place in in the event that this some this scenario happened to pop up and go ahead and present itself. And it did. And Alyssa Thompson was in St. Louis by the time the team got there, uh, mm-hmm. ready to go and ready to play. But Alyssa Thompson and Mallory Swanson is not a like for like swap. There is no like for like swap when it comes to Mallory Swanson, her experience, how long she's been on this team, how young she still is, the resiliency and the adversity that this player has faced over her career. The fact that she was the leading goal scorer for this team this year, already seven goals for the United States. No one can replace Mallory Swanson and head coach Black Leninovsky saying that this team and this system was built around what Mallory Swanson had already provided for this team, what she brought to the table, how she played alongside Smith and Alex Morgan up top, and that there is no replacement for her. Um, perhaps that's why we saw Alyssa Thompson get called in immediately. Um, but Rodman be rotated in for Swanson as soon as she went down and, and, Maybe that's why the U.S. didn't score with their front line in, in the games, frankly, because uh, it's hard. I mean, you cannot replace a Mallory Swanson. Now, how does the system shift for Black Leninovsky? How do they utilize some of their other strengths that they have in the attacking end? Because it's been said time and time again about this team, even Rose Lavelle saying it herself, one of the biggest strengths of this United States women's national team is their depth and that next man up mentality. The fact that Alyssa Thompson already has caps under her belt. She's already played two NWSL games, uh, scored a goal in NWSL action, drawn a penalty kick. There's the experience there. Now you just got to get her international experience. The strength is there, but how do you cater towards the strength of the players that are now available when you take away what Mallory Swanson brought to the group? I liked her 90 minutes in this game against Ireland. I think it was it was very telling of the role that she could possibly play for this team moving forward. This is a very young player. We're talking about a high school senior at this stage. Um, Ah, She's thinking about prom. Yeah. And the, and the fact that uh, they had her as the number one player to come on in, in in the event that there wasn't a a player that went out um, and that they wanted to see her get minutes, but then ultimately said, you know, we're going to get her the start. I thought that was very interesting to come out of media availability in the post game with Andonovsky that the idea behind giving Thompson the actual start was because at this stage in the game, several of their forwards, all of them really, even their wide forwards at this point have gotten a start or extended minutes in these roles. And if that's the case, if this is the last kind of roll of the dice, they were going to give Alyssa Thompson that opportunity as well, especially if it's in light of losing such a significant player like Swanson. Now, going the full 90 minutes, I'm not 100% uh, sure if that was in the cards. There was just a lot of praise from Andonovsky about Thompson and her uh, her, her overall performance. Um, and Thompson in post game saying, I wasn't expecting to go 90 minutes, but here I am. So I want to ask you about that because as this game went on, we're into second half action. Lindsay Horan goes down with a very minor knock, but uh, she actually indicates to the sidelines like, hey, let's rotate me off. I'm not here. And this was the last available substitute that Black Leninovsky had. And we see Christy Mewis get rotated into this game around the 60 minute mark. Now, you didn't think Alyssa Thompson was going to go 90 minutes. I didn't think Alyssa Thompson was going to go 90 minutes. Alyssa Thompson didn't even think she was going to go 90 minutes. So do you think that if Haran doesn't get that small knock in the second half, if we see a Lynn Williams in that front line instead of the Mewis getting rotated in? 
I mean, she was available, right? There were there were certain players in this game who were not slated to dress. One of them we knew automatically was Lavelle, but that also included A.D. French, who was the third goalkeeper in, in this camp, um, and Taylor Korniak. So, I mean, you have a Lynn Williams who's listed as an available sub, and I think maybe there's a scenario there in which, yeah, Lynn Williams does come into the game. If she's listed on the game day roster and dressed, your number can be called at any moment if you're not getting the start. Especially but, when Thompson gets not initially into the roster yeah. comes in and then it's like, oh, actually, you're playing 90. I, I think that if Haran doesn't get hurt, we yeah. see Williams rotate in and we don't see Christy Mewis. But, I'm with you. But yes. we're talking about scenarios in which some of these things came to light. Oh, it's uh, the beauty of the sport. The beauty of the game. Uh, yeah, no, Adonofsky, say, again, um, saying in post game that Haran started to feel some tightness a bit uh, ahead of that and that Haran would have been one of those planned subs, but, um, you know, she was listening to her body and said, maybe, maybe, maybe now's the time, but uh, it was, it was definitely funny to see Christy Mew was kind of saying like, Oh, okay. Uh, yes. Now here we go. go. Let's, um, let's, let's get in there. But, um, I liked the the early the first half from from Thompson. I think you we saw in that second half um, the grind of of a long game playing you know targeting a, a ninety minute regulation uh, game and um, different I think from from energy from half one to half two. But I I loved the 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 switching and the swapping of sides at some at some point uh, in that first half between Smith and Thompson I thought they looked good on either side when they were going I think the fact that we saw such fluidity from them um, really kind of opened some things up it's it's, it honestly was a little surprising for me to not see a goal come you know earlier and I think we kind of saw some of the unselfish play, I think, at times from Thompson. I think at one point maybe had a good look on goal, but opted for the, the cutback um, for for Smith. And I think even though a goal doesn't come out of that, to sort of see that that promise and to sort of see that kind of very early chemistry when you don't have a lot of time with those players, I think is 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 very um I think is very is very promising for a young player like like Thompson, especially in the you know just everything, taking into consideration everything and how she got called into this team. That's that's not a lot of time to get acclimated. Um, we're talking about a couple previous camps. She got called into the the pair of European friendlies in October, made her debut um, in front of like seventy thousand plus people at Wembley. Uh, traveled to Spain with the team uh, and then got called into those friendlies against Germany, but didn't necessarily see time there. And now finally months later back in the mix against Ireland. So that's, that's not a lot of, that's not a lot of time to try to, to get acclimated. Um, and the fact that she was able to go full, full 90, even though she started to cramp right around the 80th minute, um, but go full 90 and, um, you know, get a shot, get a look on target. You know, I think I think those are all positive silver linings that the yeah. coaching staff is taking away, you know, for for this player. I think it's going to come down to, you know, who's healthy and who's available and who's in good form when it comes to making those final, you know, final moves on um, on a roster for for this World Cup. Yeah, completely. I think that there are still some question marks and uh, Black Wendonofsky saying that he's going to utilize club play in the NWSL, Haran with Lyon over the next two months or month and a half, really, before he names that final roster um, and him talking about how he he talks to the club coaches and says, hey, this is what we want to see from this player. Can you work on this in training? Can we see it in a game? Can you call the player in 15 minutes early to training so they can work on it if it's not something the club wants them to execute? Um, it's going to be really crucial for players to step up and, and even players that perhaps weren't even called into this camp. I'm looking at a Mitch Purse. There's a there's an open spot on this roster now that Swanson is hurt. And I don't think Alyssa Thompson has signed her spot in pen in that role. I just don't think so. I think it leaves that door open to other players to continue to fight um, and be called in and, and look to get minutes. But that's that's why Thompson got minutes. Um, that's why we saw a lot of different players get minutes in this game because, hey, the World Cup is less than 100 days away. 
it's uh it's gonna be here sooner sooner than we know uh we'll have more to talk about that old world cup uh and the rest of the performances that we saw on the pitch right after a quick break it's only a kick a jump a block it's only a serve it's only a tackle a run it's only for the fans after all it's only pressure You got this. Adidas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, what comes next for the women's national team? There's eventually going to be a roster that's named for the World Cup in Australia and New Zealand. Black Andonovsky in his post-game comments saying a couple of of things on, on the roster outlook for this team, saying, listen, if we had to name this roster tonight, there's enough here for this coaching staff to make and name a final roster, but that's not necessarily the case. Realistically, he said that um, there's around 10 to 12 players who are likely competing from anywhere from six to seven spots on this team at the moment. Um, he Once he dropped that, he was asked to sort of elaborate and, and clarify on that a little bit more. But he said, hey, and that can change too. It could, you know, 10 to 12, it could be nine to 13. Um, you know, depending on, on some other factors, because what happens now is there are players who are going to return to club and uh, need to continue uh, and keep up their form. And those are the two spectrums. Those are the two camps of players who are going to get evaluated. Um, he said that he and the coaching staff will have those calls and conversations with players out of this camp. There, there's going to be, you know, a group of players who they simply tell, hey, keep it up. Mm hmm retain your form, have good club performances, and we will see you at the next one. And then there's going to be a group of players that that conversation is a little bit different. It's going to say, yes, continue to build your form. And this is what we would like to see from you within these club performances. Go out there and crush it. So still two camps here, but uh, I thought it was, I thought it was, you know, uh, transparent and honest to say that, they're targeting a certain amount of players to to compete for a certain amount of positions. And the remaining weeks of club play will go ahead and, and perhaps de- determine those things for them. Uh, because something else that came out of this, this friendly, this second match against Ireland, was the announcement of the send-off game that will take place for the United States. They announced that they're going to play a final game in San Jose, on July 9th, and then head on off to New Zealand. So um, we, I think, I think Lisa, it's safe to say that obviously some time before that send-off game, a final roster will drop, and um, uh, no deadline or no date has actually been placed on that. But if, a, if it's a July 9th send-off series, I think at that point you've got to have your roster in check, and I, don't, I, don't, I think maybe around June. I don't, you think maybe June we might get this roster by then, or you think it'll come sooner? Um, I'm, I'm thinking June, honestly, I, I really think the way that black Wenonofsky still has, um, I don't want to say question marks or, or questions that need to be answered. I think it's more so it, there is the 10 to 12 that are maybe on that bubble for those six to seven spots. Any one of them can go to the world cup and perform for this team. It's more so who rises above in the next two months of club play, who can get the evaluation from the national team coaching staff. And and whether it says I need to work on my defensive efforts or I need to work on crosses into the box or being more accurate, or maybe my fitness levels and who can really smash those out of the park and raise the bar because all of these players are eligible. They wouldn't have been called in to any of these camps over the last two months in 2023 if they weren't ready to go to the World Cup. 
And that's why this competition gets so, so tight at the top because it becomes a bottleneck. All these players are there. They're all ready to play and make this roster. But who is going to rise above them um, and take that off? So, no, I think it'll be June, mid-June, right, that we will get this final World Cup roster. They'll get called into a camp. Um, I I think some of these players might know, as you talked about, there are definitely players that are locks that – they probably know themselves, but they're having those conversations with the coaching staff because they can they want to continue to elevate and rise above and and make sure that they are ready to play, um, barring any injuries or things that happen. I mean, it's also their job to stay healthy over the next two months before this roster gets named. But once it gets named, the players will come into camp. Of course, us here at Attacking Third will do uh, like guessing games yep. of the roster, we'll recap it. We will have you covered from tip to toe about this roster and everything that is to be about the World Cup. Uh, but once the, the roster gets names, they'll get called into camp. They'll train together. They'll get some minutes under their belt. And then they have this send-off match um, in California against Wales. That'll be really great competition and a, a bit of a ceremony post-game uh, for this team before the American fans send them off to Australia and New Zealand. You know, the, the other kind of main headline coming out of, of these two matches when, when they got announced and it was, you know, hey, it's going to be Ireland for these uh, for the April international window. It's going to be the last internet an international window that this team gathers before a final roster is named alongside of, of that, uh, the, those kind of headline grabbing bullet points. There was also a lot around the players who were making a return into this camp and we reacted to the roster when it dropped initially. I mean, the biggest uh, name that folks were reacting to on that was the return of Julie Ertz after a near two year absence, but Kelly O'Hara got back in the mix with this team after um, being away with an extended time with, with navigating some injuries, Turner Davidson getting back into the mix with this team as well. Casey Kruger making her return post maternity leave within this camp and all these players getting minutes throughout this two game series. And really within this second game, we got to see extended minutes for Ertz going a, a, a full half Coming on as a substitute, um, Kelly O'Hara getting some extra time. Uh, Turner Davidson was the player to get subbed in uh, to the game for Becky Sauerbrunn early in the first half as, as, as that planned substitute. And Casey Kruger um, coming on into, into the game in the second half as well. Lots of defensive players there. Julie Ertz even kind of splitting time, I think, in this second half. Um as a kind of a more defensive player, we saw them really kind of hold a wall five in, in, in a line there to kind of sustain, you know, this very narrow scoreline. Again, different game scenarios presenting themselves for the team where they could try some things out. Julie Ertz, no stranger to, to playing more defensively uh, on the pitch. Um, but game one to game two, do you, or do you like the progression that we're seeing here out of somebody like Ertz? Yeah, I do. Honestly, I mean, I think we talked about this in the preview Earth specifically. I wanted to see her get 45 minutes. Um, Right. She came on around the 60th minute in the first friendly and to only get uh, 20 minutes there or 30 minutes, excuse me. And then 45. I think that's great progression. Uh, You do have to work your way back in uh, as a player like this and kind of brush off some of the kinks. But the energy of the game changes when Earth steps onto the pitch. She brings this intensity and this mindset that uh, the game just has to be a little bit more elevated. Um, and we saw that in the first game. And then at the halftime of the second game, uh, as, as Ertz gets rotated into this match, but also Tierna Davidson, this was a player that I wanted to see get minutes. Um, and frankly, the only reason that Davidson didn't start this game is because Becky Sauerbrunn was being honored for her 200 caps, was returning home to play in St. Louis. And so she got the opening 30-ish minutes um, and then Davidson stepping in. But Davidson, to get 60 minutes in this friendly was massive. I mean, it's the first time she's played with the U.S. in a in a friendly since she believes in 2022, um, which was February. So Right. Like over a year ago, she got surgery on April 1st, but we've seen her with club, the Chicago Red Stars. She started both of their first two opening week games, played 80 so minutes in the first game, full 90 in the second. So we know she's ready to go 
at that level. So I'm really glad that she uh, got 60 minutes Davidson uh, in the center back position alongside Alana Cook. That's a lot of comfortability between those players there uh, playing together. So I, I really, honestly, I like seeing Davidson in there um, more than anything of all these players. Um, for you, I want to ask about defender Casey Kruger. She got called into this camp uh, for the first time since giving birth. Uh, to her son. That was in July of 2022. Um, but what did you see from her play? I mean, this was her first cap since 2021 with this yeah. U.S. roster. Well, I think the the biggest thing, Casey Gurry, we saw her out on the flank. And I think at one point we saw this player get on the ball, win the ball, and then all of a sudden sort of snap into the opposite direction, Ireland having to run her down essentially and stop uh, stop her from going the other way, had a chance to talk to her post-game. And she said, yeah, she was She was like, I was. I was headed straight for a goal. Um, and you love to hear it. You love to hear it. You love to see it. Um, I think for, for Kruger, it was just a reminder that um, she's one of the better one v one defenders, and depending on who you ask, the best um, kind of lockdown one v one defender in the world at the moment, and that was just sort of a reminder, I think, um, for for folks who might have forgotten like who who she is and what she can provide. I mean, Andonovsky talking about her performance specifically in post game, kind of reiterating that he said, "Yeah, Casey came into this camp, got minutes tonight, and reminded us who she is and what she can provide in a game." Uh, I think when it comes to more attacking-minded uh, outside backs. They might look for scenarios and player or players to fit those scenarios um, in, in different game situations. Um, but I think for a first game back after two years, we're talking a lot about the players who have made their return and like, oh, we have, we're going to see them kick off the rust and we're going to see them get back to inform. And the two players that we're not saying that about is Tierna Davidson and Casey Kruger. I know, I know. It's kind of crazy to see that. I mean, Davidson though, like she... Um, having that partnership with Chicago Red Stars and Wolfsburg in in yep. Europe is massive because as Davidson was looking to get back into play last like November, December, when the NWSL season was done, she went over to Wolfsburg and so was training in that high comp- competition um, and, and high intensity setting that you couldn't get here in the United States and that only becoming because of the partnership between Chicago and Wolfsburg. So Davidson also kind of having a little bit of a leg up there. We also know Casey Kruger was training with Chicago Red Stars at the end of last year. Maybe it's something in the water there in Chicago that uh, they have a little bit more of a a get back to the field game plan and and providing these opportunities for these players to get minutes. So they don't look rusty when they get back to this level and they're asked to play 45, 60, 90 minutes in a game when they haven't played with that team in X amount of years frankly so it's it speaks good for that. Larry Swanson I love that fueled by the Great Lakes I love exactly. that exactly and and what pizza what else is there <laughs> so I don't know and what? finally sunshine and yeah. nice weather it's a, it's a it's a different it's a different energy when the sun is shining on you in Chicago but uh listen I think these those two players we're talking about them kind of kind of together as their teammates and in, in as with the Red Stars as well but we saw it on the pitch. I mean, Tierna Davidson getting in, finding open lanes and her, you just saw things kind of open up a little bit differently when she got her distribution involved in in the game. And then further into the second half with the Kruger coming in and kind of being that extra outlet or outlet for, for the team as well. So it's, uh, it's one of those, it's one of those moments where it's like, this this was it, this was the game. If they, they didn't, they had to get national team minutes. This was going to be that final opportunity. And, um, you know, it's not shocking that we saw all of the substitutions used in this game uh, alongside uh, smaller groups of players getting evaluated in the initial starting 11. And uh, hopefully we'll see more. I think the the other piece that comes out of this when we're talking about Julie Ertz specifically is when is she going to be no longer unattached? Like we're looking at that um she gave a little bit of a timeline update in, in some post-game comments. Uh, she said, yes, she's got a quick flight home. She's got to go make some calls and reconfirm some things. And uh, that she's going to announce a club team very, very soon, possibly end of this week, by next week, the latest. And we'll know where Julie Ertz is going to play very, very soon. And um, she emphasized the timeline. 
uh, as well. She's uh, she understands that uh, she's got to get into training environments and keep uh, keep getting back into form. And the only way that's going to happen is is if she's with a club team uh-huh. and able to sort of get that kind of consistency um, that she's been missing for for a little bit. So um, watch out, <laughs> I guess. Once once that club is is announced that uh, maybe we're going to start to see Juliet's um, look a little bit more lethal than we've already seen in, in these first, in these first two games. Yeah. Time is only going to help a player like Juliet. It's more minutes, um, right? Because she 45 minutes in one game, 30 minutes in another game. She hasn't even played a full 90 minutes yet uh, of soccer since returning um, in a competitive setting. So any training opportunity, any game minutes are only going to help this player build up, but I think she's going to the world cup. Fair enough. Fair enough. I don't disagree with you. I'm not. I don't, I don't have a. I don't have something uh, to sort of say like no, no, no. I disagree. That's impossible. No, I'm with you 100. percent I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think there's there's some. I think there's players you can you can go across this and, and say that for, and, and she's one of those players. But uh, this isn't our roster prediction episode just yet. Uh, it's coming. It's coming. We'll have that for you. If you want something, I've already got a few out there. You can go read them on CBS Sports. I've been trying to put them out there. You know, United States Women's National Team player stock watch or roster predictions after each international window. So if you want to go take a look at those, that is out there for you in the meantime. But we'll have a roster prediction for you all. Uh, obviously, ahead of when the roster will get dropped. Of course, ahead of when that send-off match takes place against Wales on July 9th in San Jose. But that's it. That's a wrap for us on A3 today and this April international window. Thank you all so much for joining us and listening to Attacking Third. Download, follow, listen to us anywhere you get your podcasts. You can watch us too. Subscribe to us on YouTube to get alerts for whenever we go live at youtube.com slash Attacking Third. And NWSL is back this week with week three action. So make sure you tune in because we've got you covered with a weekend preview on Thursday. For Sandra Herrera and Lisa Roman, this was Attacking Third.